The Mustard Tavern Keepers History of the Old World. Cleanliness is next to Cleanliness? That. After what you did, that horse had bolted long ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> ah, young neophytes, you're back. I hope you've all had a bite to eat and a glass of the Bretonia wine I left for you all on the bar. A glass of that is just what you need to warm yourselves up this time of year. Ah, we were just, uh, chatting about, uh... Cooking. Yeah, yeah, cooking. Ah, uh, yes, cooking. Uh, cooking, cooking, yes, yes. Anyway, please, everyone, sit down and let's let Heinrich return to the tale of Marco Colombo. You just got us to the point where the Tylean had secured himself three ships, their crews, and the services of your grandfather, Frederick Lowen. What happened next? Yeah, yeah. It is also worth mentioning here that Marco had been very busy in the years after parting ways with my grandpapa in Nordland. He had spent quite a bit of time in Araby as a merchant, and had been involved in a great many, um, let's call them altercations, along the northern coast of Araby, and in und and around the pirate stronghold of Sartosa. This had honed his fighting skills and leadership skills, and he had forged many links that would serve him well for the rest of his life. He had also developed a love of hunting during this period of his life, and learned to ride on some of the finest Arabian horses after saving the life of an emir in the army of Lashik. During this time, amongst the corsairs and slave trades of the city, he sold the unreliable pistol he had used in his youth, for there was nowhere he could buy ammunition for it, and instead began to use the crossbow that the emir had especially made for him as a reward. It was also in the city during one of his habitual forays into the bazaars looking for maps and artifacts, he found a very old map that caught his eye. The map itself was very inaccurate and not usable, but what interested him was that it was written on an old scroll with partly obliterated ancient Nehekaran writing on the back. The scroll, in fact, was a magical amulet protecting the bearer from harmful spells, but 
Each time it was called upon, a part of it would turn to dust. These trips to bazaars and antique emporiums were driven by a kind of craziness that had gripped the Tylian. Marco had become obsessed with the Lustian map my grandpapa had given him and spent a great deal of time and effort in finding and speaking to fellow merchants and explorers who had been to the new world. He also used much of his own money in seeking out and then purchasing artifacts from the temple cities of the Lizardmen that had been looted and brought back to the old world in years past. This was not only his passion, it was also part of a cunning plan. A plan that he would reveal to no one until the time was right. All anyone knew was that the artifacts that he rescued from the shopkeepers of the world were vital to its success. Whilst in Araby did he perhaps read the tale of Ibn Jalaba? We are partway through this in our regular lessons. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I do believe he did, although his focus was more on Lustria rather than the Southlands. However, it definitely informed his decisions with the guards how he formulated dealing with the lizardmen of the New World. More on this later. Well, the more mundane preparations for the Zoyage uh, continued for the rest of the year, and by the time the mountain snows were beginning to thaw in 1492, in the early part of the year, the expedition was all but ready to depart. However, Marco still needed one final thing. He needed Skaven. What? He allied with the thrice-beaker Skaven? I cannot! Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, Master Tavernkeeper. No need. He did not need the help. No, 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 no. He needed Skaven for sacrifice. He was no collaborator like our modern-day usurper Marco Broglio here in Tobaro. He had no fealty to the dark powers whatsoever. His god was money. But don't worry, I will reveal the ins and outs of his plan when we come to that part in the story. Zoviso, my grandpapa once again came to Colombo's aid. He had once worked for, and was still on very amiable terms with, a man who could help. Visconte Giacomo Ginotti of Mariagliano, up there in the far north of Italia, was a renowned rat catcher, and was famous in underground circles for hosting fights to the death between ratmen in special subterranean fighting pits cut into the bedrock beneath his villa. Here, nobles would come from all over the old world to bet on the bouts. This was a very lucrative business in the last century, and continued unabated until the aristocrats involved in these activities started to mysteriously disappear in the early 1520s. Foul play was suspected, but never proved, and the culprits were never discovered, although I have heard rumours that the nobles were kidnapped by Skaven assassins and taken to the ruined city of Tylos, also known as Kabzar here, uh, that apparently lies somewhere in the blighted marshes. If the 
old tale in the doom of Kavza is to be believed, that is. Though we saw these men were then stripped and forced to fight to the death in front of crowds of ratsmen, they say. And the victor was then ripped apart and eaten by the onlookers. But uh, who knows if this is true or just banter from the taverns. Zoviso, my grandpapa and Colombo took a small boat and sailed from the private harbour of Condottori mercenary lord Prosper Cologne in Lemas, up along the coast of the Tylian Sea to the city of Miragliano. After mooring the vessel at the quay of some smugglers with whom Marco was on very good terms, the pair then hired a pair of horses and made the journey up to Giacomo's villa, situated on an ancient crag overlooking the blighted marshes. When they arrived at the villa, they were greeted by an old friend of Grandpapa, the mercenary Leonardo Martinelli, who was in charge of the Visconti's house guards. He hailed him from the guard tower that stood over the main gate to the villa's central courtyard. Hey, Frederick, you old scoundrel, you're looking good. Are you here to see the Visconti? He is out hunting right now. Scusa, scusa. I cannot let you in until he returns, but he will be back before nightfall. There was a small folly near the main gate, so the two tied up their horses, pulled out one of the bottles of wine from Marco's saddlebags, and filed away the afternoon, drinking and throwing horse stones at the rabbits that lived around the walls of the villa. As the sun began to set, the Visconti returned on his charger at the head of the hunting party. Giacomo was wearing a red fur-lined padded hunting coat, thigh-high black leather boots, and an orange hunting cap to top it all off. Such garb is traditional for hunting in Miragliano. Behind him were other nobles, likewise attired, and to the rear was a heavy cage on wheels pulled by a pair of large horses. Within was a mischief of ratmen, their hands bound behind their backs and their jaws tied shut with rope. Each had also had their tails cut down to a stump. Giacomo immediately recognized my grandpapa and warmly welcomed him. They spent the next three days carousing and during this time Marco was able to broach the subject of purchasing some skaven. The price was steep, but my grandpapa and Colombo left the worst for wear, but successful with three captives in tow. They were at last, ready to voyage to Lustria in search of fame and fortune. And I beg your forgiveness, my most attentive audience, but my, my bladder demands it be emptied. Of course, of course. And time for us to take a short break too, young neophytes. Please. Feel free to help yourself to some more wine from downstairs, and we can reconvene here back in about, uh, let's say, quarter of an hour. 
I'll be sure to keep the knight entertained until you get back. Ciao for now.